Hey team, I want you to meet Carl Ferreira. He's director of sales at Refine Labs. Hey Carl, what are three ways your team converts your market into revenue? Chris, so one of the biggest ways that we convert our market into revenue is community-driven content. Um, I think thought leadership is kind of like the old way to sort of describe that. And we found that thought leadership was like, really it was very us centered it was like me i'm the thought leader right and it didn't have this sense of uh community so i think that again thinking about content and distributing it in a way that hey does this provide value but also create some kind of a of a communal experience for our fans or our followers whoever it is uh really really significant spike in revenue like literally 100 percent of refine labs revenue is comes from um, our organic presence and our community driven content second um commitment-based sales process so we bring people into the funnel and then the sales process that we've architected uh is really commitment-based so it gets uh buyers and it gets sellers my team on the same page from a commitment standpoint you want me to put together an executive briefing for your team, I'm gonna need these commitments from you, right? Um, and that really moves a sales process along uh, really efficiently. It also weeds out buyers that aren't really committed to investing their time, investing their money, investing resources, um, committing to just explore new ideas and change. Uh, so again, uh, it really drives uh, high close rates uh, of really, really good fit customers. And the last uh, way that we convert our market into revenue is deliver on our promises. I guess you could say this is like the recurring revenue, like making sure that like there is no churn or very minimal churn. Um, but when we make promises and make commitments in the sales process, we keep those and our services team keeps those and we help businesses grow and they continue to um, give us their money to reinvest it in our using our strategies and frameworks into their business and their growth. What are three hard problems that you recently overcame? Three, I got two for you. Um, the first one is if you notice on LinkedIn, I recently, this is my first sales leadership role. So I was promoted uh, and actually was at HubSpot as um, a sales rep there, uh, an account exec, and uh, came here, director of sales at Refine Labs. And one of the most interesting um, things, I guess, challenges that I've wrestled with uh, is just switching my mind from an in individual contributor mindset to a leadership mindset. I wanna jump in and close the deal so bad. I wanna jump in and take discovery calls, take inbound leads, things like that. And I have to remind myself sometimes like, you were hired to do these certain things. You were hired to be a strategic thinker, uh, to architect new processes, to enable and empower the, you know, you, my direct reports, right? To do their best work, to hire on talent that is better than me at certain things so that we can move the business forward. That mindset shift um, has been a larger challenge than I thought, you know, I just love selling. So um, getting out of kind of that mindset has been something that I've been wrestling with. Uh, and I've recently, um, and, and in process, process of, of overcoming. Second thing is story. You know, when you sell, um, you know, fairly uh, complex new ideas, it can be overwhelming in a sales process to educate buyers on kind of how you think, how you execute, how you measure success. Um, and so how do you distill that story and narrative down to something that is compelling and impactful, uh, but still delivers the full kind of um, meat and value of what the offering is? That's a big problem. If you can't do that well, you lose deals. You can be the best service provider, best tech vendor, 
best software in the world. But if you can't distill down what you do and what your customer gets out of it really, really simply, uh, you're going to you're gonna struggle uh, to grow. So that's, a, that's, that's something that we're tackling. What are three roadblocks that you're working on now? So like any startup, um, we're a small team that's growing. So I wear a lot of hats. Uh, my direct reports, my sales team, they wear a lot of hats. We don't have like an enablement team or anything like that. So there's some people doing enablement. We don't have like dedicated designers. So we're like throwing together our own assets. And uh, that's fun, but that's also a roadblock for growth. Um, and so when you're, the, the challenge is when, you're, when everybody's spinning um, a bunch of plates, knowing when the timing is right to hire somebody that's better than you at spinning that plate uh, or expanding the team, like figuring out that timing of when to do that so that you don't decelerate the business, um, I think is is something that, that we're working on and uh, is, is a work in progress, but a super fun roadblock to tackle. Second one, um, Really interesting. I don't know how much you know about Refine Labs, but we're big, right? Marketing. Uh, we're a go-to-market strategy and research firm. And what does outbound look like? We're largely inbound, like ninety-nine point nine 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 eight percent inbound, right? So when we, but we do want to start and spark conversations proactively with our dream clients, with our target customers. So what does outbound look like? Uh, for them. We want to shy away from the cold calling or the cold emailing, not because we think that's, you know, necessarily bad or anything, but because it hasn't been innovated. A lot of the innovation is still happening inside those channels. Use these subject lines, use these cold call openers. And we're really wrestling with what does innovation look like just outside of those channels? Like what can we discover new ways um, to proactively begin conversations with our target customers and our dream clients? And that's something that we're really excited to be tackling and working on. What are three mental models that you use to do your best work? Mental models. First one is, um, I don't even know if this is a mental model, but I'm a big fan of like Jocko Willink's work, uh, Extreme Ownership. And I think that's a mental model. That's a, a way in which it's a filter or a high resolution lens in which I view my day, my life, my the way I interact with my family, uh, my work. Uh, and the model is essentially extreme ownership, right? Like everything that happens happened because of something that I did uh, is it, I own all of the outcomes in my world. And I still you still use that mindset, even when like something happens outside of your control, there was something that you maybe contributed that may have tipped that first domino that resulted in something happening that was maybe, you know, potentially caused harm to a relationship or harm to your business or something like that. So that's a first mental model that I think I use to do my best work is just like I own everything. Whether I own it or not in real life, I just take ownership of all of it. Um, and I really empower my team to do the same. And we do, and we, and we do some stellar work uh, because of that. Second one is a moat model. Um, again, I'm, I'm, I'm making up the names of models at this point. But the concept of a moat is that you, you build kind of like this, a, a moat around your business or a moat around um, your processes, right? This, there's a separation um that that a moat creates maybe you think of it as like a ring of fire maybe i could find a, a better illustration than a moat but the the point of the mental model is every process every tactic that we do we are asking ourselves are we it, does this contribute to the depth 
or the width of the moat? Are we different than our competitors? Are we different than the market? Are we helping our customers to be different than their competitors with everything that we do? And when you um, look at and analyze your strategies kind of through this lens, um, it's really powerful because you realize a lot of the stuff that you're doing isn't moving the needle in those ways. And it really makes you kind of like second, you know, second guess if this is even something that you should be investing your time in. So that's the moat model. The last one is um, similar. There's some overlap here, but like a time value opportunity cost model. I look at everything. I like calculate like how much I'm paid per hour all the way down to the hour and then how much I want to be paid per hour um, in a perfect world. And I filter just my calendar events, my tasks, all of that. Like, does this task worth what I make per hour, right? Is it generating that outcome that is that valuable? Um, and when you look at your calendar, your tasks, your relationships in those ways, uh, it really, not, not to say that like personal relationships should like be monetized, but you understand what kind of where I'm going. Just, just being very thoughtful about how you spend your time and if you're getting the return on that time that, that you intend to get, it can be really easy to do a bunch of stuff that doesn't produce the results you're looking to produce, both in business and in, and in life and family. What are three techniques that other GTM teams need to try? Oh man, we got a lot of opinions here at Refine Limes. Uh, first one is organic social, man. Just taking organic social more seriously. Uh, it takes time. But there's so much low hanging fruit. I talk to CEOs every day that want to give us their money um, to run paid advertising, right? And one of the questions I love to ask is cool, what's the plan for the free stuff? You know, for social, like your buyers are there now. You could spend zero dollars and go get your message in front of your buyers. And it's going to take a little bit of work and you're going to have to log into LinkedIn and you have to click the like button and start to think through content creation. But Man, uh, it snowballs so fast, like what you're doing with the podcast, another way, like it's just, it snowballs so quickly and the results, again, it's, it's a moat builder to go back to that mental model, like, cause nobody's still taking it seriously. And, you know, it took us two, three years to build our organic presence to where it is today. So it, at Refine Lab, so it takes time. I just hit 10,000 followers. I've been doing this for two years. So it takes time. If you're not starting right now, you're still not going to be there in 2023 at this time. So it's like you you got to get started. And that's where I think there's a lot of opportunity. I see a lot of companies not getting started. So they're not going to be there next year either. So it's like the time is always right now. Second technique that I think other uh, go-to-market teams should try is creating content for consumption versus conversion. Here's what I mean by that. You scroll through LinkedIn and you will see organic posts that really push for a like. Thoughts, comment below. Polls are a great example, right? Very low value, most of them. What were they designed for? Conversion, right? Some kind of engagement metric that could be seen and measured. They weren't designed for the consumption of a differentiating or valuable message. Same thing happens in paid advertising, right? You look at ads, creative teams creating ads uh, that just point to downloading an ebook. That's an ad that's designed for conversion, but only 0.4%. If you're a rockstar marketer, people are even going to click through. What about the other 99.6% of people that will see that? Give them a compelling message to consume in the feed using design and copy 
so they can consume that without caring at all for the conversion. The conversion is icing on the cake. That's how you create real demand. So that's a second technique that, that teams need to try. And that's a big transformation um, and, a, and a mindset shift, but it's well worth it. Um, last thing is ask yourself, if you're a sales team or a marketing team, do I sell in the way that I like to be sold to, or do I market in a way that I actually buy technology? I get nurtured to death by some vendors in via email. And I'm like, I don't think I've ever bought software because of an email drip campaign. You know, like I barely read them. I suffer through like eight of them and then I typically unsubscribe. And I think that's a pretty common experience, right? So ask yourself, like, where do I want to be nurtured? I'm on social all day. That's uh, the last time I bought software wasn't from a cold call. It was from, oh, I knew that this CEO posted. I really liked them online. I decided to check out their product. I just went white hot inbound and got a demo, right? So think about how you buy as kind of a, a framework for informing your your strategy. I see just a lot of revenue leaders that run their strategies um, according to like how a 2011 buyer would buy, and they haven't even bought anything off a cold call or a cold email or some kind of a marketing email nurture campaign. So um, yeah, thinking through that I think is critical. Who are three operators that should be our next guests and why? Well, I only had two for a couple of the other questions, Chris. So I'm gonna try to make up here. So I got four for you. Uh, Jen Allen, you gotta talk to Jen. She's fantastic. She's chief evangelist officer over at Challenger. Huge fan of Challenger. The content that she puts out on LinkedIn is very different. Um, it's a lot of content on LinkedIn, especially in like the sales ecosystem is very entry level. Like it's for SDRs, it's for, uh, a lot of prospecting tips and things like that. So Jen is a breath of fresh air because it's content designed for the close, to uh, for, for the deal, for a more experienced closing type of rep. And uh, I learn a ton from it, and I and I you know consume uh, a lot of her content. Second is Arthur Castillo uh, over at Chili Piper. They're a great team. We're a customer, and Arthur is a dear friend, and he just has such a unique perspective. He actually comes from sales and now is in marketing, so he's a fantastic resource. He really understands the entire revenue org, the entire customer journey, and is a big big resource there for thinking innovatively about how those two teams can work together. MJ Peters, gosh, what to say. Uh, so MJ uh, was my boss here at Refine Labs, and she is a VP of marketing now at another awesome uh, tech startup. But MJ is one of these marketers um, that will be a CRO or CEO one day, but she closed millions of dollars in business at Refine Labs and is probably one of the most sought after marketers um, in B2B SaaS today. Like you think about how dynamic of a person you have to be to be a world-class marketer and be able to close half a million dollar deals, you know, um, and just knock them down. Right. So, I mean, just, just, just a genius. She really is just brilliant. And you definitely got to have her on the podcast. Last but not least, um, Sam Kuhnley. He's a, he's a friend as well. And a colleague, just a world-class marketer, bright, bright thinker, extremely thoughtful. You're going to get way better answers from him than from me on some of these things. He strikes me as the type of guy who probably has some like baked out, like mental models. He's just a really, really bright, uh, marketing leader and does some fantastic work for our team and for our customers. Incredible, Carl. Thanks a lot. Yep. Thanks for having me. Hey team, what did you think about this? 
I think that you got to add Carl Ferreira to your GTM talent watch list. If you can't recruit him, you can try to join Carl's go-to-market team at Refine Labs, or you can try to join mine at Monograph. We're both hiring. Oh, by the way, have we met yet? I'm Chris Morgan, host of the Market to Revenue podcast. Shoot me an email right now about what you thought about this episode. It's chris at markettorevenue.com. Talk to you in a moment.